Welcome to On Attachment, a place to learn about how attachment shapes the way we experience dating, love, and relationships. I'm your host, relationship coach and attachment expert, Stephanie Rigg, and I'm really glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to On Attachment. Today we're going to be doing a Q&A episode. So I've collected questions. I get so many amazing questions on Instagram from people in my community and there's only so many that I can address in that forum. And so thankfully I've been filing them all away and I'm going to address some of them here. So today I'm going to be looking at some dating questions. So various questions that relate to that dating phase of relationships before you're really, before you're really in the steady phase. And I think the dating phase in particular for anxiously attached folk, dating can be pretty intense and can be, you know, really anxiety inducing. Of course, at the same time, it can be really exciting. Um, but yeah, it can throw some curveballs. And so I'm going to answer some of your questions that I've received broadly relating to dating. So the first question is, when do I stop giving a person I'm dating another chance if I've given them more than once before? I think this is a really hard one and also really simple. Put differently, it's probably simple but not easy. My advice here is when someone's actions and their words are consistently mismatched, we have to believe their actions, right? As much as we might want to believe that they are going to change, that they're going to follow through on their word, if they're showing us something other than that, and particularly, you know, it's it's not the first time if this has been a pattern of behavior, I think we have to take a long, hard look at what we're signaling to someone by sticking around, right? And the likelihood is that if someone is getting a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance, you know, there's very little incentive for that person to make a change, right? Because there's really no there's no accountability there. There's no consequence for them to continue behaving however they want to behave. And so as hard as it is to look at what someone is showing us rather than listen to what they are telling us and promising us, sometimes that's what honoring ourselves looks like. It's saying, you know, I'm not really interested in your promises because I've set a boundary with you and there is no, you know, you're not respecting that. You're continuing to behave in a way that I have clearly articulated I'm not comfortable with, whatever that looks like in a given context, and that's not going to work for me. And being willing and committed enough to yourself and your own safety to actually walk away when you're in that situation, it's really a very powerful way to build self-trust. So I think... I think that answer is is quite simple, albeit not easy to implement, particularly when you're not used to that, particularly when you're not used to really holding people to their word. Um, 
and when you find it hard to assert yourself and to prioritize yourself. But that would be my advice. Okay, so the next question is, he's not looking for a relationship right now, but he says he really likes me a lot. I don't want to give up. What do I do? Look, I think in this situation, when someone says, I'm not looking for a relationship right now, or I'm not looking for anything serious, whatever it might be, we really have to look at the part of ourselves that wants to believe that that's not true, that wants to read more into it to go, oh, but maybe once he gets to know me, maybe once I, you know, can work my magic on him, he'll see how amazing I am and I'll be like the magical one to convert him um, into a relationship person or into someone, you know, who's ready for commitment or whatever. It's like, I think there's a, there can be a lot of ego bound up in that um, when we don't want to just take someone at their word when they're telling us where they're at. Um, and it may be that he really likes you and that he's not looking for a relationship. You know, those things can both be true. The fact that he really likes you doesn't change the fact that he's not looking for a relationship if that's what he says. Um, so as hard as that is to reconcile for you and, you know, it can be really hard, particularly if you are an anxiously attached person. I don't know that that's true from the person who asked this question, but if you are, that's a really like, it almost doesn't compute. It's like, what do you mean you really like me, but you don't want to be in a relationship? It's like anxiously attached people just always want to be in a relationship, right? And if you really like someone, it's such a no brainer. It's like, of course they do. And so we can sort of project our own values around that. Um, and assume that that we can, you know, convert someone or that they'll come round or they'll see the light. But not everyone is that way. Um, and, you know, even if it is like some sort of relationship trauma or he's got like intimacy issues or vulnerability, whatever, like that doesn't change the fact that he's not looking for a relationship right now. And I really think we have to respect people's boundaries and respect their um what they're telling us and not agonize over like what it means or whether there's more to it or try and make sense of it um, to make it like sort of squeeze it into what we want it to be, right? I think just taking it at face value and going, okay, that's a shame. Next, like I'm going to divert my energy and attention into dating people who want the same thing as me, right? And I think there is really a broader piece there around, you know, not taking it personally and just seeing it as a matter of compatibility, right? If someone doesn't want to be in a relationship and you do, then that's probably like the end of the road for you because there's a fundamental incompatibility in terms of what you're looking for. And that's okay, right? That's okay. It doesn't mean that like you're not lovable, that you're a failure or anything like that. It's just, you want different things. Okay. So the next question here is how to self-regulate anxiety when on dates. Now, I think that a really big part of this is, and particularly again, for anxiously attached people is that we can become so focused on getting someone to like us that we can get very stuck in our heads, very uh, very much in like people pleasing mode in trying to be 
whoever we think we would need to be in order for them to like us. Um, we can go into overthinking. We can go into this like hyper attunement to like every little micro movement of the other person um, and, you know, analyzing everything, overthinking everything. And obviously that's just a breeding ground for anxiety, right? And it really takes the fun out of it. So I think there are a few pieces here. I think that there's a mindset piece in terms of what mindset am I in going into a date? Like, how am I treating this? Am I treating this as a really high stakes kind of thing where I'm going to take it really personally if it doesn't work out? I think that can be really common. It's like, because I'm placing so much pressure on this and because I tend to get so attached to the idea of a person very early on um, and because my whole mission on this date is to get them to like me, then if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be devastated and I'm going to feel rejected and all of those things, right? A much more supportive mindset might be like going into the date open-minded, being you know, genuinely curious to get to know this person and also making it your priority to be screening them, right? To be getting to know them with a view to deciding whether you like them enough to want to pursue a relationship, right? Often we just get so like laser focused on getting them to choose us that we lose sight of, of the other piece of the puzzle, which is us actually liking them, so I think like that's kind of the mindset shift is going to it, trying to have fun and, and with relatively open expectations in terms of like what it becomes. I'd qualify that, you know, you don't have to have no expectations in terms of their behavior, how they treat you, obviously, like expectations and boundaries are really healthy, but not putting so much pressure on it to be, you know, something super serious for this person to, you know, be the love of your life, whatever, um, on the first date or the second date even, because that kind of pressure is just going to create so much anxiety. I think the more um, practical piece in terms of self-regulation is, you know, anxiety is a response of the body. It is a stress response. And so when you notice yourself feeling anxious Often we really need to regulate from the body rather than from the mind. Those mindset shifts are helpful in a more macro sense. But if you do notice yourself getting really anxious, getting really stressed while on a date, I'd encourage you to do something like excuse yourself and go to the bathroom and just take a few deep breaths, right? Really like try to create safety in your body first and foremost. Um, obviously you're somewhat constrained in what you can do while on a date. Um, some of the things that I would suggest in other contexts, like, you know, going for a walk or going for a run or, or calling a friend might not be feasible in that environment. But yeah, I think, you know, just noticing what's going on for you, trying to breathe, try to slow, th slow things down um, and really try and take the pressure off yourself and allow it to be open-ended and curious and explorative rather than, you know, this super high stakes, um, all or nothing, like my whole sense of self-worth is riding on the success of this date kind of thing. Cause that's, that's a one way ticket to, 
extreme anxiety. Okay, the next question is how do I get over the one mindset and release expectations? And, you know, it's, it's kind of related to the previous question around anxiety on dates, right? I think this whole idea of the one is honestly so prevalent and yet so unhelpful and frankly can be quite harmful. We've all been fed this story of like, oh yeah, there's this person out there for you and like when you find them, you'll just know and everything will be perfect and you'll live happily ever after, sweep you off your feet, blah, blah, blah. That's just not true. (laughs) And, you know, frankly, there's probably millions of people on the planet that you could happily and healthily build a life with. Um, So I think realizing that and adjusting your expectations to go, okay, whoever I choose, it's going to be hard at times and there are going to be compromises um, and I'm not going to love every single thing about them all the time. Sometimes they will annoy me. Sometimes I'll find, you know, their little um, idiosyncrasies really irritating or sometimes we'll clash on things. Like I think that when we manage our expectations around that and, and approach it a little more realistically, we're far less likely to attach meaning to it when those bumps in the road arise as they inevitably will Um, because when we're expecting this person to be the one and something happens, we're like, well, I've got to, I've got to go. Like, obviously it wouldn't be like this if they were the one. And I think that's really unhelpful. Of course, I will caveat that by saying we don't want to use that, um, justification or what I've just said to, um, rationalize a bad relationship or an unhealthy one, um, It's not about like, oh, this person's really awful to me, but nobody's perfect, right? It really is like, what are my core values? Um, What do I really expect and need in a partner in a a pretty fundamental sense? Um, And then accepting that a lot of other things are going to be negotiable and that's okay. That's to be expected. Um, I think that's a much healthier way of approaching it than expecting some magically perfect person to knock on your door and solve all of your relationship woes. Okay, last but not least, how to communicate your anxiety to a new partner who's never had anxiety. So I'm going to answer this assuming it's um, meaning sort of anxious attachment anxiety rather than, um, you know, anxiety in the broader sense. I think that it's a really lovely question because I think that communicating your anxiety to a new partner is a really good thing to do. Um, it's a really healthy thing to let someone in and let them know what you're experiencing and, and what things you find difficult, um, what things you find triggering, right? Um, and doing that in a way that is, you know, not blaming, not criticizing, uh, not suggesting that they've done anything wrong, but as a, you know, a vulnerable share of this is, this is some stuff that I struggle with and I really want you to know because I care about you and I'm really enjoying this and I don't want you to misconstrue 
these behaviors that sometimes I default to or resort to when I'm feeling unsafe. Um, and I want you to know that that's not about you. I'm just working with some, some old patterns and I am really trying to work through that. Um, but out of respect for you, I want you to know that, that that is something that I grapple with and that I navigate. Um, and so to the extent that you observe that, that's why I think relatedly you can ask them, you know, if they're open, here are the things that would really help me to feel safe. So if it's like, it really helps me to feel reassured. Um, it helps me if we, you know, are in touch relatively often, if it's a new partner and you're not, you know, you've only got sort of intermittent contact, then saying like, yeah, when we check in once a day, like that really helps me to feel safe and secure. So I'd really appreciate that if you were open to it. Um, or things like that, you know, a lot of anxiously attached people really like words of affirmation. Uh, so saying like, it really helps me when you're open with me about how you feel about me, um, or just open with me generally, right? Because anxious people, as we've talked about, if there's any uncertainty or any, um, you know, vagueness, they fill in the blanks with a fairly catastrophic interpretation a lot of the time. So just communicating some of those things of like, this is some stuff that I struggle with. Here are some pretty like innocuous things that you might not even blink an eyelid that at that really uh, can be challenging for me. And I appreciate if you'd bear that in mind, again, not in a way of like you're doing something wrong, but just like, is this part of my world? And part of being in a healthy relationship is being sensitive to your partner's stuff and everyone's going to have their stuff. You know, it's not like you're uniquely broken or something, right? Everyone's got their, you know, Achilles heel or the things that they struggle with, their triggers. And part of secure relating is being really attuned to that and, and actually caring about it enough to try and create safety for our partner. So thank you for that question. All right. That brings me to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed that um, and I will see you next time. Thanks for joining me for this episode of On Attachment. If you want to go deeper on all things attachment, love and relationships, you can find me on Instagram at stephanie underscore underscore rig or at stephanierig.com. I've got loads of free content there. Plus, if you're interested, you can join the waitlist for the next round of my signature six-week program, Healing Anxious Attachment. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you soon.